Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. Well, for you guys who don't know, I mean, he just introduced me, but my name is Matthew. Um, I'm a youth leader here at the factory. I've been coming to church here since um, ninth grade, and God's really just changed my life for the past couple years. Um, when I came in ninth grade, I really uh, just fell in love with him and his word, and he's been doing amazing things in my life and in my family and in my relationships, and I just want to give him all the honor and all the glory. Um, and yeah, so the title of my message today is Becoming All Things to All Men. If you guys want to write that down, if you're taking notes, and we will be reading in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23. I'll give everyone some time to scroll there, um, flip there, whatever you're doing. All right, if you're there, you're there. If you're not, you can get there. All right, 1 Corinthians 9. 19 through 23 it reads for though i am a f- for though i am a free- for though i am free from all men i have made myself a servant to all that i might win the more and to the jews i became a jew that i might win the jews to those who are under the law as under the law that i might win those who are under the law to those who are without law as without god not being without law towards god but under law towards christ that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for um, this opportunity to uh, speak into these kids' lives, Lord. But I pray that your Holy Spirit speaks through me, Lord, and that I get out of the way and that my nervous jitters and everything just leaves my body right now. Um, I just thank you for this youth group and all the leaders in it and all the students here, Father, that you're doing a mighty work in their lives, Lord, and changing their hearts and their desires and just making them want to follow you more and more each and every week, Father. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Um, my first point today is we are free, but we are servants. If we go back to 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 19, it says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. When we read that, we see that Paul was free to do what he wanted. Paul did not have to try to change um, his approach of sharing the gospel depending on his audience. It may have affected uh, people's response to the gospel, but it did not affect Paul personally. If Paul wanted, he could have preached the gospel the same way over and over and over again because he had the freedom to do so. If Paul wanted to do that, he could have preached it over and over the same way because he had that freedom. But bringing people to Jesus was more important to Paul than being set in his ways, quote unquote. Paul did not have to find common ground with people, but he did so anyway for the furthering of the gospel. Paul would rather serve others in the furthering of the gospel than to use his freedom selfishly. In 1 Corinthians 10.33, Paul says, Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Paul does not spread the gospel for self-gain. 
He does so for the benefit of others and hoping that they will one day come to Jesus. We tend to sometimes feel like there is only one way to share the gospel. And if it's not done that way each and every time that we're doing something wrong, we're not being effective or we're not getting our message across because we didn't do it that perfect way that we've dreamed up in our head. As we see, though, this is the opposite of what Paul is telling us. Paul wants to further the gospel in different ways if it means it will be received by more. How do we, like Paul, change our approach in sharing the gospel depending on who we are sharing it with? That brings me to my next point. How do we, like Paul, change our approach in sharing the gospel depending on who we are sharing it with? My next point is we find common ground. Find common ground. If we go back to the verses I was reading from, 1 Corinthians 9, this time verses 20 through 22, it says, And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without law, not being without law towards God, but under law towards Christ that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. From the outside looking in, it may have looked like Paul's life was inconsistent, um, but Paul only had one goal in mind, and that was to win people for Jesus. In Acts 21, 23 through 26, we see that Paul participated in Jewish purification ceremonies. In Acts 16, uh, verse 3, we see that Paul had Timothy, Timothy circumcised. We know that these things are not a requirement of salvation or to have relationship with God. They're not requirements. And he knew that. Paul knew that. By no means did Paul do these things because he thought he had to do so to obtain salvation. He did so to bridge the gap between him and the Jewish people so that he could effectively share the gospel with them. Our desire, like Paul, should be to win people for Jesus Christ. Paul tried to meet people where they were at. Paul tried to meet the Jews where they were at. We should try to meet people where they are at and expect to see changes later. I feel like sometimes we feel like we are in control of seeing people's changes in their life. Uh, we preach the gospel to them, and we tell them to live this certain way, and we tell them that if they're not doing this, that they're not walking in God's will for the life. But God designed the gospel message to simply for us to give it to people, and then God will do the rest of the work. God changes our hearts and our desires. We don't change those for other people. Like I said, we should try to meet people where they are at, now and expect to see changes later. We should by all means make unharmful changes in our approach to sharing the gospel to find common ground with people, but by no means should we make unnecessary requirements to receive the gospel. If someone comes to church and they don't look like you or they don't talk like you or they don't behave like you, their lifestyle doesn't look like you, we shouldn't make it a requirement for them to come to church they have to clean up their life and look like us to come to church. No, we should make changes in our approach, meet them where they are at, and then expect God to do the rest of the work. 
like I said, we put the pressure on ourselves sometimes way too much. When we, we, like Ty was saying in his prayer, God's burden is light on us. It's light. We don't, we, we don't have to do much. We just give him glory and give him praise, and he does the rest of the work. So many people think that they are so far away from God and that they can't come to him yet. They think they can't come to him yet, that they have to, like I was saying earlier, meet an expectation or change their lifestyle at a certain point, and then they can come to him. That's not true. That God is just waiting for us to respond to his message, to respond to the gospel. We should never, as believers, as followers of Christ, add to that feeling of not being fit. Like I said, we meet people where they are at, not the other way around. The truth is, none of us are deserving of the cross. It is a free gift extended to us by God because of how much he loves us and how much he desired to have relationship with us and for us to have right standing with him through his son, Jesus. Like I said, we are not deserving. So we have no right to boast. We have no right to brag. And that brings me to my next point. And that is, don't change the message, change the approach. I've been talking about meeting people where they're at and changing our approach. When I'm talking about changing our approach and meeting people where they're at and finding middle ground with people, I'm talking about finding middle ground and connecting with them, but I'm not saying to accommodate to them or to change the way that the gospel is presented. God gives us the gospel. We present it how it's, how it's presented, and we don't change it. We just change the way we approach it. I think it's very easy for us to hear uh, these things and think to ourselves, does that mean I can do whatever I want as long as I think it's helping me further the gospel? But this is not what Paul is saying. Paul tells us to become all things to all men, not to have those people influence you and for you to become like them, but for you to meet them where they are and for you to be the example and to influence them instead. Paul is not saying to indulge in the things of this world, but he is saying no matter who you are around, minister to them in a way that they will understand. Paul never changes the gospel message to appeal to his audience, but he does change his approach. Paul was willing to offend people over the gospel, but he was not willing to offend them over his self or his own words or, or things that he was wanting to do or things that he was trying to get across. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. We must speak with grace to one another. We must season our words with salt so they will be received by others. I feel like sometimes we can come across as uh, very harsh. The gospel sounds harsh. We're not good enough. We need a savior. You're not good enough. You need a savior. So we season our words with salt. We prepare people's hearts. We toll the soil of people's hearts to get them ready to receive the gospel. We plant seeds and God waters them. Like I was saying earlier, we do not do all the work. We are God's instruments and he uses us. We are broken vessels that God uses by mean, but we are, we are a means that God uses. We preach the gospel. We share the gospel. We give the good news of the gospel and God does the rest of the work. He changes people's hearts. He changes their desires. 
if I go back up to the top, to my first point, when I talk about us being free, but we are servants, um, as believers and as followers of Christ, we are free. We are no longer bound. We have freedom from these things, but we are servants. We are servants. We are slaves to Jesus Christ. It sounds harsh, but it's the truth. Our desires should be what God has for us, what his word tells us, what his word tells us to act like, to do. The gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are examples of Jesus' life and how he lived and how he communicated with people and how he preached the gospel and how he treated others and how he had fellowship with others. He's the perfect example. So we, as followers of him, are now servants to him. We mimic him. We do the things that he does. We follow his word. We pray to him. We expect his will for our life. And I talked about finding common ground. Finding common ground is as simple as mingling with one another here. If you don't know someone in this youth group, that's a problem. We should be in fellowship with one another. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Why do we not know one another? Why, why do you look across the other side of the room and you don't know the person on the other side of the room? But we're claiming that we're brothers and sisters in Christ, but we can't even have simple conversation because we don't even have middle ground with one another. We have, we have no clue what that person's going through. We have no clue what their interests are. We have no clue what their family life is like. We have no clue who they even are, but we simply just write them off or we simply just think that uh, I'd, I'd, rather just, I'd rather just not. I'm just going to stay in my circle, my influence of people, because that's what's comfortable for me. But that's not, that's not what we're called to. We're called to be brothers and sisters in Christ, and that means we're walking together. We're talking about how to become more like Christ. We're encouraging one another. We're praying with one another. And I just have such a burden for you guys in here. I love each and every one of you. I've been in this youth group since ninth grade, like I was talking about, and I've seen God change a lot of these kids' hearts that have gone through here. I've seen, even in my own family, I've seen my mom and my sister and God's faithfulness over my life and my family, and I've just seen such growth and the power of God and the power of what he can do in our lives and in our relationships. I, I just, I would have never thought I would be where I'm at right now in a million years. I never thought I would be up here preaching the gospel. That just sounds crazy. I, I still can't even imagine that I'm up here. I'm nervous. I'm sweating. I'm freaking out. This is not comfortable. I'm not comfortable. I, I would rather be sitting where you are, but I'm stepping out of my comfort zone because it is important to me to get this message across. It's important. I want to see you guys. I want to see you guys have fellowship with one another. I want to see you guys be a team. I want to see you guys love on one another because we're about to go back into the school year. You're going to get back into the mundane of life, the mundane of school, your routine. You got sports, you got homework, you got all these things. And it's going to be so simple to just put God on the back, on the back burner. It's going to be so simple to just, uh, I, I was so busy. I just got done with all my homework. I had football practice. I'm taking a shower and I'm going to bed. I'm not spending time in God's word. That's just another thing that I'm not adding to my schedule. 
But that's not what we're called to, guys. And I think this youth group has so much potential. I see so many of you guys who are on fire for God. Gumball, Ruthie, you guys, you guys are on fire. And you're making a change or the example in this youth group. Charles, Caleb, you guys are leaders. You're making a difference. Let's find common ground with those around us. I know you guys are, but let's continue to do it. I love you guys, and I'm so proud of you guys. You're making such an impact on my life. I know you're making an impact on Nate's life. I know on Ty's life, on Michaela's life. You guys are doing more than you think. You guys have more influence than you think. I think sometimes we think that we have to be on this stage to have influence, that we can't make an influence where we're at, that we have to just get an audience especially with today and social media, that if we don't have followers or we don't have people who are listening to us or we think that are not listening to us, that we can't make an impact, that we're stuck where we're at, our voice doesn't matter, we don't matter, who cares what I think, no one does. But you guys have influence, people are watching you. The way you conduct yourself, the way that you act, the way that you treat one another, the way that you carry yourself, people observe that. Are you using your influence for good? Are you using your influence to look more like Christ? Are you using your influence to, to, to be a part of what God is doing? We should, me, me and Tyler talk about it all the time. Tyler Cobb says all the time, well, I just want to be a part of what God is doing. Well, that, that's my main goal. I just want to be a part of what God is doing in other people's lives. And that, that is our heart. That should be what our heart should be. That's what these leaders at youth, that's our heart for you guys. We just want to be a part of what God is doing in your life because God is so good and he's doing a mighty work in you guys. So like I said, just, just let's find common ground with one another. Let's take this youth group to the next level. Let's not just be complacent. Let's not be content where we're at. Let's get uncomfortable in small groups tonight. Guys, if you don't talk in small groups, try it this week. People are not going to think you're weird. People care about what you have to say. What you have to say matters. You have a voice. Like I said, you have influence. So use it. And use it for what God created you for. And use it for God's glory. I also talked about not changing the message, but changing our approach. When I say that, I'm talking about the fact that God designed the gospel message for a reason. God designed the gospel message to take the load off of us. We need to stand firm on God's word. We don't need to accommodate to other people by watering down the gospel. We stand firm on it. We don't water it down. We stand firm. We speak the truth in love. If we really believe this, guys, if we really believe what we're preaching up here, that there's a heaven and there's a hell, and we think if you have not placed faith in Jesus that you're going to hell, why are we not telling people this? Why are we not telling people this? Why are we so scared? If someone was standing in the road and a semi-truck was about to hit them, are we just going to sit there and watch them get hit by the semi? Like, 
That sounds crazy to even say. We would not do that. Our, our human instinct would kick in and you would go, and if you had plenty of ample time, you would go jump in front of that person, push them out of the way, and get you both to safety because that is the right thing to do. It's, it's the human thing to do. But for some reason, we have an issue with sharing the gospel. We have an issue with standing firm on our faith. We have an issue of being different. We have an issue of being called and set apart and for our lives to look different because people may think that we're different, that we don't fit the social norm or that that's that weird person who doesn't, who just goes to church. They don't ever come to parties. They don't ever do this. They don't ever do that. Well, I hang out with them. Who cares? If you really cared about that person, like I just said, what are you doing? I've been up here talking about the gospel. Most of you, I would assume, know this term, know what I'm talking about. But for you who don't, the gospel is simply put the good news of Jesus Christ. You and I, not you guys, you and I, and Nate, and Shane, and Cy, and Sean, we're all in this together, have sinned against God. We are separated from God because of this sin, because of the choices that we make, not that God makes for us. We have free will. We freely sin against God. Does anyone know what the Bible says that death is? What does the Bible say that death is? Does anyone know? Wages. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That those wages is what's due to us. We have earned death. We did it. God did not do it. I think sometimes we think, oh, God just made me this way. No, we have free will. We choose to sin against God. But God loved us so much and he desired to have relationship with us, to have communion with us, to be a part of our lives and to spend the rest of eternity with us. He loved us that much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, a gruesome, bloody, miserable death in place of us. We should be the one on that cross. We should be the one. Jesus came and lived the life that we couldn't live here on earth and died the death that we should have died on the cross. Jesus' death was the ultimate sacrifice. It covers all of our sin. We can be forgiven and have right standing with God. All we have to do is repent and trust in Jesus as our Savior. It's so simple. It's so simple, even a child could understand it. And guys, if I'm not getting through to you, please hear me. I love you guys. I want to see you guys flourishing and God to be doing amazing work in your life and changing your heart, changing your desires. But it first comes with you. You guys have to make the choice. I'm going to be set apart I'm going to place my faith in Jesus as my Savior. I'm not going to trust in my own goodness. 
The Bible says that no man is good. No one is good other than God. So why are we trusting in our goodness? We should be placing our faith in Jesus. I'm going to put it, if that didn't make sense, I'm going to put it in even simpler terms. Let's say you have a stack of speeding fines. You sped and you've gotten caught like 30 times. You got a court date. You make it to court. You're sitting in there. The judge is right there. You're sitting here. The stack, the stack of speeding fines is right here. If the judge is good, if he's a good, right, just judge, what, what should he do? Should he just let me walk free because... I've done a couple good things in my life, or should I get the should I get the punishment that I deserve? I sped, I broke the law. Yes, I should get the punishment. If if if, if the judge is a good judge, if we have faith in our 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 legal system, that that person should get the punishment. But you know what else is legal, right, and just? Someone can come in and pay the fine for that stack of speeding tickets. And you are legally able to walk out of that courtroom. That is exactly what Jesus did for us. We sinned against God. We earned the punishment. Jesus comes in and pays the fine and we're free to go. And if that's not good news, I don't know what is. And worship team, you can make your way back up. I'm serious though, guys. I love you guys. I am so proud of each and every one of you. Just the fact that you came here tonight, you made the conscious choice to come. I'm sure there was plenty of other stuff you could be doing, but you're here. Even if you came here and you, you don't even really want to be here, you're here. And I feel that God brought you here tonight for a reason. And you were supposed to hear this message. I have full faith in that. God is not a God of mistakes or coincidences or accidents. God is calculated. He's loving. He's recklessly chasing after you. He loves you. I want to ask you guys, is any, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, if all this that I'm talking about is what the Bible says, piercing your heart, says that the gospel message pierces the hearts of men. If you're, if you're feeling that tug on your heart, like, man, what he's saying is really hitting home with me. I don't, I don't understand why. I don't know why I'm feeling this. God is doing a work in your heart. God is doing a work in your heart right now. And I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads, keep your eyes closed, I'm going to ask, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you haven't placed your full faith in him as your savior, this is life or death. God loves you. He has a plan for you. And he wants you to walk into it. And if that's you, I ask you to pray this. Dear Heavenly Father, 
change our hearts, change our desires, make us want to follow you, make us want to love you, to obey your word. And if we haven't placed faith in you, Father, right now, just have a conversation with him. This isn't a magic prayer. This doesn't fix all your problems. As Ty was saying, when he prayed earlier, you promise troubles will come, but you are the God on the mountaintop just as much as you are in the valley. And I ask you guys, if that's you, say, God, I place my faith in you. I trust in you as my savior. I don't trust in my own goodness. I trust in you as the one who bled and died on the cross for me in place of me so I could have relationship with you and have eternal life. I wanna ask another question. If you guys are in here and you have placed faith in Jesus, but you feel like you're not on fire for him, but you wanna be, but you're so scared that you don't know if you can make all the changes in your life on your own, that you don't know if you even want to. Trust me, all of that stuff sounds fun. The partying, the drinking, and everything that comes with it sounds great on paper. But can I tell you that God has such a better plan for your life if you just walk in his will? What does that look like? It looks like us following God's word. It looks like us imitating Christ.